Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the legendary Sergio Tacchini, brand worn by John McEnroe, Goran Ivanisevic, and Novak Djokovic. Listen, when I was a kid, we couldn't even buy Tacchini. It was aspirational, and now it's available worldwide, and I honestly cannot think of a greater gift for a tennis fan, player, or if you just get someone one of the iconic tracksuits or a t-shirt from the Paris Masters or the Monte Carlo Country Club, you just cannot do better. Check them out at SergioTacchini.com and use the code CRAIG30 in all caps to receive 30% off of your order. Arete Complete is the official towel of the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. The towel was originally created to deal with the slipping and sliding that happens in hot yoga. They are the official towel of Peloton, and you know how much you sweat in a Peloton class. The colors pop. There's an Aussie Open Blue, which you probably should get right now. A red clay, and they also have a Laver Cup Gray. There's also a tennis classic tennis green. The design is phenomenal. Sweat management is a real thing. I play with wristbands and headbands all the time. But the towel is key, and there really is nothing worse than a towel that isn't absorbent. This is the solution to all those sweat problems you have on the court. See them at A-R-E-T-E Complete, A-R-E-T-E-C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E.com, and use the code SHAP20, in all caps, for 20% off of your order. Today's guest was born in Moscow, Russia, and has had a superlative life in tennis. One of the tallest players there has ever been. She won three WA tournaments, and in 2005, she got to 14 in the world. In 2004, she won the Australian Open Mixed, and she was a member of the 2005 Russian Fed Cup Championship team. She is now a high-performance coach and consultant. Elena Bovina is today's guest. Now, are you in Quebec City? Correct. I am. Yes. And how did that happen? How have, how long have you been there? And how does a girl from Moscow end up in Quebec City? Exactly. I know that's the question, right? Um, I've been here on and off for almost seven years now. And the main reason for me being here um, is actually my boyfriend is from Quebec. So I moved out here um, to be closer to him, obviously. So um, that's how I ended up here. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. That's a good reason. And I've heard that Quebec City, I've never been. I heard it's a tremendous place. It is. It's, it's very uh, unique. It's uh, European style, I would say, you know, and uh, it's mainly French speaking. So I had to push myself to learn French a little bit huh. because no one really understands any English here. Um, but yeah, it's beautiful. It's very nice. I'm enjoying my time here. Young lady you hear is former world number 14. She was inside the top 20 for th- three straight years. Fed Cup champion. Correct. Played for Russia for three straight years as well. Elena Bovina, thank you for joining me today from Quebec City. Thank you for having me. And how's your weather, by the way? Oh, it's very cold. <laughs> and do you have snow on the ground? A lot of snow, minus 22 Celsius. Um, it gets to minus 30 sometimes, so it's it's pretty cold, yes. <laughs> and do you have access to courts? Do you practice indoors all the time? Yeah, it's mainly indoor tennis here, obviously, with the weather. The summer is really short, so most of 
of the year we play indoors, but um, obviously now with the the shutdown that's happening in Canada, um, there's not much going on. Like pretty much all the facilities are closed, so no tennis for the moment. Oh, really? Yes, it's it's actually pretty uh, strict over here. Uh, Ooh, no tennis. Down. No tennis. Oh. No nothing. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. So everyone's staying home and being really careful and, um, you know, trying to move past the situation with the pandemic. But um, unfortunately, we, they had to shut down all the facilities for at least a couple of months. Yes. No tennis. No tennis. Ooh, yes. That's it's rough tough. stuff. It's tough. Hopefully we turn the corner on that soon. Yes. Normally you do a five set format. I kind of feel like we just got a nice little update off the court from you. So let's go right into the second set. This is what I call, we call the on the court report. Do you keep your eye on pro tennis at all? Are you looking forward to the Australian Open? Yes, I try to as much as I can. I'm still really much into tennis, following the current situation, what's happening on the WTA and the ATP tours. Obviously, uh, very challenging times for the players, for the tournament organizers, for everyone. So it's really great to see that um, Australian Open is happening and that uh, regardless of the quarantine, everyone had to be locked in the room for a couple of weeks. Everyone seemed to be in pretty good shape, actually. You know, I saw some tennis last few days in the tournaments uh, coming up to uh, Melbourne and everyone looked really good. I mean, Serena looks unbelievable. Yes, yes, all of them. I'm surprised. All of them. Yeah, two weeks uh, being stuck without really any movement. Uh, you know, you can feel that, like you can feel that you lose a bit of that, you know. Um, Sharpness. Fitness. Yeah, and um, but they they really didn't. They look very good. Do you have a relationship with the Russian players? Do you know Svitolina? Do you know Kasatkina? Um, Kasatkina, no, she's much younger than me. So when I kind of stopped playing, she kind of just started. Um, but uh, the I know obviously Svetlana Kuznetsova she's still out there fighting amazing uh, right? amazing amazing fighter um but not a lot of these younger girls you don't I, no I, I I don't I don't do you have involvement in Russian tennis or not so much not so much not so much I'm more involved in Canadian tennis to be honest and even in the U.S. tennis but not so much with the uh, Russian unfortunately I don't spend that much time back home, um, I might in the future, but at the moment I spend more time in uh, Canada and, and United States. So um, I try to help um, here in Canada and the States, yeah. Now, I see on your social media that you have sort of like fantasy camps. You do like, uh, you go to like these really nice places and, and put together training blocks. Oh, yes. This this is very interesting. This is something that I actually started working on very recently. Um, the first thing that I kind of the first project I started was actually last year was the first time I started thinking of it during the lockdown when the COVID just 
started and um, I started to think of that um, consulting consulting uh, website. I, I thought to myself, and at the time I, I had a lot of messages coming in from the tennis parents from Russia, from Canada, from United States, just asking me for adv advice, consultation, you know, uh, different things, my opinion. And, and I'm always there to help, obviously, especially if I know these people, I try to help. And then I thought to myself, my goodness, you know, how many more people out there, parents, uh, families that try to make it in tennis, but it's really hard. You, sometimes you don't know the way, you don't know how to manage certain things. And I started, started up that, this uh, website, um, Elena Bovina uh, Tennis Consulting, that I'm available to anyone, you know, who needs additional help or advice or consultation. I'm there to give my feedback, my professional opinion, you know, consult regarding whatever coming to tennis. I have a lot of experience. And then this other project um, of mine and my friend, we, <laughs> we just decided it like out of the blue. We thought it would be a lot of fun and it's, our first one is coming up in April, is we're gonna do um, this awesome, in this awesome location, Turks and Caicos. Uh, it's a week-long uh, training camp, like clinic, you know? So we picked a really nice resort um, and it's all-inclusive resort and we're gonna set up a really nice training, uh, tennis training program for a week and uh, we're gonna kind of com combine the best of two worlds, you know, and uh, we're gonna find another location after that. Maybe we're gonna go to Hawaii or something else. So we really wanna find like really nice exotic location and create a really nice tennis camp, tennis setup for people to have a great experience, um, tennis experience. And you'll be on the court practicing. You'll yeah, for sure, 100%. I'm in charge of the, the tennis uh, part of, the, of that uh, camp. And a friend of mine, she's doing more of the organizing, everything and stuff. And we're inviting some of my um, prof ex-professional players as well. We're, we have a few people in mind, uh, coaches, obviously. Um, so it's going to be fun. We're really excited about it. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Lena Bovina making uh, some fantasy camp happen and also doing a con consulting work. Now, why won't you, how come you haven't picked, you know, traveled with a player? How come you haven't been out on tour? Yeah, great question. Um, of course, I considered that. Uh, my main concern was, well, I'm a little bit tired of traveling, obviously having played on tour for so many years. Um, and I love traveling. I love traveling for tennis. It's like the best thing in the world. But I, when I kind of stopped with competition, all of a sudden, all of a sudden I felt a little bit tired of all that traveling. And I know what it is, what, what commitment it takes. If you want to coach a professional player you really have to dedicate your whole life you have to dedicate yourself 100 percent. otherwise it's just not gonna work you know 30 weeks there. 30 weeks yeah. so this kind of commitment was hard for me to to make so that's why i kind of said okay i will take at least a couple of years not not traveling too much just for pleasure you know whenever i want to travel whenever i decide but obviously with covid situation it's not uh, up to me anymore, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, it's different. But, um, but yes, that's the main reason why 
But other than that, uh, I still love to be involved in tennis. I am here in Canada. I'm uh, a, a part of uh, a, a tennis academy here in Quebec, which is um, run by Sam uh, Aliasim, who is the dad of uh, Felix Aliasim. Uh, he has his uh, little tennis academy here, and he has junior programs. So I'm 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 there to help as a. Oh, that's cool. You you work yeah. with Felix Oger Aliassim's father yeah. has a tennis yeah. father has a he academy. Has an academy here. Yeah, he has kids. He has juniors. Um, they're really oh, wow. dedicated to bring the level of tennis up here in in Canada and Quebec, and he's doing amazing. And I'm there to you know, to consult, to to help him manage whatever it is he needs help with. Now, um, do you know Felix by chance? I, I've met him a couple of times. I don't know him real well. Obviously, he's traveling a lot um, to tournaments, so he's not in Quebec per se. You know, uh, I know he has an apartment in Montreal, and whenever he's in Canada, he's mainly in Montreal. But, uh, but yeah, I know he's he, – I know him. I know his sister – his father, obviously, so great family. Has the dad told you anything interesting about Felix coming into the season? Can you give us any inside information? Uh, well, <laughs> not necessarily something I, I would want to share, you know, share. But but yeah, he's uh, he's had a good preseason. He worked hard. He he had to make some changes in his um, coaching um, entourage. Obviously, he he spent some time uh, with. Uh, Tony Nadal at Nadal's academy during the preseason, so um, it will be interesting to see how he's doing uh, this 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 year. Yeah, I love watching that kid play tennis. Yeah, he's amazing, super talented. Yeah. Let's move into the third set. This is the portion of our show where we talk about your career. I have to tell you, I know very very little about you. I, you know, you're really one of the tallest players there's ever been. Yeah. And I always remember watching you play and thinking like, I couldn't imagine how you could lose a match. But I wanna ask you, where does your tennis begin? Okay, um, started when I was four years old, uh, back in Morocco, Casablanca actually. Uh, my dad was working there, he was a diplomat uh, working there for a couple of years. Um, and Were you born in Morocco? I was born in Russia. Russia. Uh, but we moved there when I was three years old and uh, stayed there for a couple of years. My dad, uh, um, ex-athlete himself, he used to be a water polo player and um, silver uh, uh, Olympic silver medalist in Mexico. So really the highest uh, level athlete and he knows what it takes to you know to be at the highest level of, of any sport so fell in love in tennis when he tried at 30 years old he tried tennis fell in love and decided that his kids are going to play tennis it's as you know as simple as that and my sister uh, three three years older than me she started first I was just uh, a, a ball kid for her you know being extremely happy to to serve my sister pick, pick up the balls for her and then I got a chance to hit, you know, they, they gave me a racket to try for half an hour and I did really well. So I picked up tennis and uh, at four. And then when we moved back uh, to Moscow, I was six years old. And uh, that's where I started on a daily basis. 
and uh, things got more serious. I was going to school in the morning until uh, 12 or 1 o'clock, and afternoon was my tennis, tennis practice, tennis sessions. So, um, yeah, and uh, back at the time, it was more... Uh, more of a Soviet uh, system, you know, not like things are now. So yeah. uh, I remember uh, it was pretty interesting uh, the way we were raised tennis-wise, you know. And um, what I do was, you mean? Uh, well, it's it's nothing like it's nothing like what it is now. I mean, the coaches were independent; they were not paid by parents, so they made the decision. However, they whatever the decision they needed to take to to, to get rid of kids, the ones that were not good enough, to uh, put the pressure on on us um, or train us the way they decide. It was a it harsh system. It was a harsh, harsh system. It was tough. It was tough, but it definitely built the character. And whoever was able to kind of go through it, survive, um, you know, made made far. And like I was. I started tennis in the same group with Vera Zvonareva. We were in the same group until we're, we were 12 years old. So, um, you know. So, were you, so uh, Elena, were you identified as a as talent? At what age were you when you were sort of? Yeah, I was uh, noticed by IMG. Uh, I was uh, around maybe 13, 14 years old. I was already one of the best uh number one uh, in my age group in, in Russia and in Europe as well. Um, it was always like me and Kim Kleisters, we were always number one, number two, like fighting for that top spot uh, in the rankings. So of course, uh, the fact that I, I was picked by IMG uh, really gave me a chance to proceed with my career because otherwise financially, I don't think it would have been possible for my parents to 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 do that you know i mean obviously tennis is a very expensive sport and requires lots of money so i was lucky to be uh, the best at my age group and even uh, two years over and um i was uh, spotted by the mg and then they really helped me financially to to transit to that professional tour where I already started making money myself. You know, Yevgeny Kafelnikov's been on my show and he has the almost the identical, he's, he credited IMG and he said that he was poor. He said he came yeah. from a poor family and he said that IMG 100% put him in, uh, a, a, gave him an opportunity to become, you know, become world number one. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny because we actually were picked by the same agent. I had the same agent as Yevgeny. Who's that? Bill Ryan. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Ryan, for our listeners, a longtime IMG, you know, almost, I'd say, famous tennis agent. But that's very interesting that, that they, they really financially took the pressure off. Yeah, totally. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine uh, going through. And they, they, they sent me to Balotieri's when I was 15. They suggested me go there and 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 spend some time in Florida with Nick. And it was great for me. It was uh, like uh, getting to a different planet. I listened to your podcast with uh, Manuela Maleva, and I found so many resemblances with her story because. The fact she explained, you know, they never watched any tennis in Bulgaria. I mean, the same thing. We had no tennis. I had only one racket to play with. 
shoes that had to last at least a year, like three size bigger because... Really? Yeah, like things like that, you know, it was not easy. But um, so getting to the United States, to the Nick Bolletier Tennis Academy, for me, of course, it was kind of a shock to the system. But, you know, uh, kids, they adapt pretty fast and I got used to it. I, I, Nick took me to his group. So I was kind of one of the privileged students to be with him on the court almost every day under his, uh, you know, control. And uh, so meeting different players. Uh, I got to hit with Eva Maioli at the time. She was a top 10 player. I remember she was training there. I saw Venus and Serena Williams coming over every once in a while, practicing there. So things like that, it's an, it's an amazing experience for a young girl, you know, who's coming from Russia and haven't seen much. And all of a sudden you see all these stars and, you know, the facilities and the weather, you know, it's warm all year long. You know, it's really amazing for me. I didn't know it could, it, it's, it's a possibility. So it was an amazing experience. Thanks to the IMG, they provided me with this opportunity. And, and then obviously, uh, um, yeah. So what, what of- were some of your um, best results as a junior? Oh, um, I won uh, like European championship. Uh, my age and also two years older. Um, I played Le Petitas. Uh, I lost to Kim in the final uh, three sets. I remember that match. I was winning, won the first set, leading second set. And then, I, funny story, I saw Richard Krychek in the stands. <laughs> and I became so nervous that he's there watching that I completely... I totally got distracted. I couldn't think about the match anymore. The only thought was that Richard Krychek is on the side watching the match. So, so anyway, so yeah, so I did pretty good. I um, haven't really played any Grand Slams uh, because that's what Nick kind of wanted. He wanted me to go and try to play ITF, like a smaller Challengers $10,000 uh, tournament. So instead of going to play junior Wimbledon or French Open, US Open, I kind of started playing those 10,000 tournaments. And what was the thought there that there was just better tennis, more competitive? Yeah, he thought like, no need, you know, you've already proven you're a good junior player, go out there and, uh, you know, that's that's more real. That's where it starts. You know, these girls out there grinding, you know, tough maybe their level of tennis is not like Serena but they're super tough they're fighting for every point so he just challenged me to go that to try that route you know and I remember I won my first professional tournament I played in El Paso in Texas starting from qualifying with like extreme heat conditions but I did win it like seven or eight matches in a row. And um, yeah, it was kind of the start of my career. How did you get into the top 100? Oh my goodness. Um, step by step, to be honest. It was not like, it's not a story. My story was not a story that I was, you know, I took it by, by a storm. No, I, it was really up and down. Um, but I worked hard, so it was, it was slowly but surely, I would say, you know, and uh, uh, first it was top 100, then it was top 50, then it was top 30, 
And then I kind of, you know, I picked up that rhythm of improving my game, improving my ranking. I got used to the tour a little bit better. Um, what do you mean you got used to the tour? What, what? Because when you just start, uh, you're, everything's new. You get distracted by a lot of things. You don't know what's going on. You don't know how, you know, that you're supposed to be picked up. Uh, uh, sometimes you get picked up from the airport, to, you know, by the trans official transportation, sometimes not. So like little details, but once you, know, once you know, yes, once you know how it works, you just feel calmer. You already anticipate how you know, you see the picture, it's in your head, you know, you're, you're, you're ready for it, you know, whatever it is. Um, so, and I felt more confident, like I belong there, you know, so it's like, Things like that in combination, it gave me the confidence and also my team at the time um, was pretty steady. I haven't, you know, I didn't change coaches like some girls do. They, you know, go with for one month with one coach and for another month with another. I think this is really hard to, to get anywhere this way. So at the time I found my team, it was working well and I, it was just a matter of time before I was getting where where i wanted to get well you got inside the top 15 that's a great effort you have huge swaths of injury <laughs> i'm an expert of uh yes how to manage the injuries yes yeah i would describe you had an injury riddled career could you have done better yeah yeah no doubt i think the the most damaging injury to my career was the first one when i injured my shoulder during the French Open, I think it was 2005. I was in, on such a roll. Um, I remember I, I, I was being, since several months, I was being super confident. My game was only getting better and better. Um, uh, my ranking was going up. Uh, it's not like that I became number 15 and then I got stuck there and then I fell down to number 25 and back up. No, no, I was just going from 50 to 35 to 20. To, so I, the momentum was there. And then that injury, um, unfortunately, it threw me off because it took me almost two years to, to recover from it. I couldn't and and what, what happened? Um, nothing major, nothing that bad, but the problem was I couldn't find a way to manage it. You know, with injuries, the problem is, is you, what, what takes a long, a long time is to find the right approach, the right uh, doctor that will give you the right diagnosis of what is the problem because a lot of doctors that I saw they were telling me different things so I was confused I didn't know what's going on so if I didn't have the diagnosis the right diagnosis I didn't know how, what is the next step how to treat it which treatments to do which uh, you know so this takes a long time once I found a good doctor good physio and they kind of showed me the way what what needs to be done then it just took, took, I think, four to five months to recover. But almost a year it took me just to find the, the way, you know, unfortunately. So it was just uh, the usual of a tennis player, the supraspinatus, infraspinatus. I, I, I've torn my bicep tendon a little bit. So it was just my whole scapular, my whole right shoulder was off balance, all the little muscles. So I had to basically rebuild 
relearn the movement properly, you know, let it heal first and then rebuild and relearn all these little muscles to work properly together, you know, so, and it takes time, but really what took time is to find a way, unfortunately. And you had a foot problem too, I think. I had a foot problem. Um, I had a hip problem. I had a pretty bad back problem. <laughs> and all of those injuries took over a year, year and a half to two years, you know? And um, I will say that I've learned, unfortunately, I wish I didn't have to, but I've learned how to cope those long, tough injuries that, first of all, mentally, because when you start, when you just get injured, you have no idea if you will ever be able to recover. This alone, this thought alone, there's no guarantee. You can put all, and if you want to recover, you need to dedicate your whole time. It's not like, okay, I can do something else. You have to dedicate your whole time to that injury. You have to see doctors, physios, do rehabilitation. It takes up the whole day. So you're there more than when you, you, when you train. You, dedic you have to be super dedicated. And then you spend a year or a year and a half on that, and then you don't even know if it's going to be okay, if you'll be able to play or not. Mentally, like you need to almost lie to yourself, convince yourself that it's going to be fine. Believe in the process, you know, and just day by day. Learn that, that mindset when you focus on today, what you do today and then tomorrow. So don't think too far ahead because then you can get too overwhelmed, you know, discouraged, whatever. So I really learned how to go through these tough injuries and come out of them alive, kind of, you know, and being able to play tennis and still compete. Now, your best moment on tour? Do you have a best moment? Best moments, uh, good question. Um, obviously, winning a Grand Slam, Grand Slam was amazing, even though it was uh, mixed doubles. Uh, with Nena Zimanich, we played finals against Nevertilov and Pius, two legends, you know? And uh, yeah, it was amazing, Australian Open, center court. Obviously, I had some amazing matches against Capriati. Jennifer Campriati, my God, what a talent she was. My, my, one of my favorite tennis players, Monica Seles and Capriati, supernatural. So we had some epic battles with her and I won, uh, one time she beat me and one time I beat her. Uh, Venus Williams, I played my first big win against Venus, three sets, three and a half hour match, incredible, incredibly physical match. Next day couldn't walk. Where was that? <laughs> It was actually an exhibition in Dublin. We played U.S. versus Europe. Huh. And all the four girls on my team, on the Team Europe, they lost because Team America was Monica Sellers, Devonport, Williams Sisters, and Capriati, you know. So we're like, okay, great. <laughs> so all the girls <laughs> on my team lost, and that was Kurnikova at the time and Barbara Shett, I remember. <laughs> and then I was the last one, and I said, I'm gonna die, but I have to win. Like, it's embarrassing to lose 5-0. And I remember I fought <laughs> my brains out, like literally in three and a half hours of incredible fight. And I, it was my first victory over a top player like Venus, you know? And it was amazing, the, the feeling. I really was starting to believe I could, you know, be someone in tennis. And obviously, um, Lindsay, beating Lindsay Davenport was amazing. 
I beat her in, uh, there used to be a tournament in Fildestadt, Germany, and it's indoors, super fast. So I have no idea how, how I managed to beat Lindsay Davenport in, in these conditions. She hits the ball <laughs> so hard and she plays so fast. But I think I was in a very good shape at the time and I did well at the tournament. And uh, obviously, epic battles against Kim Kleister since we were 14, 12 years old, you know, um, on tour as well. So a lot of great memories. I wouldn't, you know, highlight one in particular. Where does where does where winning the Fed Cup uh, rank for you? Yeah, it's great. You know, I love playing. Uh, you know, the team competition, being a part of the team. We had amazing. Obviously, the Russian girls. You know, Dementieva, Petrova, Kuznetsova, Muskina. So many superstars. You know, and to be a part of that team and. Um, you know, to do so well in the Fed Cup, um, it was amazing. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I felt very proud, uh, you know, to 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 be a part of the such an amazing uh, uh, players and uh, superstars. Yeah. Are you proud of your career? I am proud. You know, now I had time to look back a little bit, you know, and uh, I am proud to what I've done. Of course, I feel a little bit of... Uh, disappointment that I, 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 I felt I had a potential to achieve a lot more. But, you know, things happen the way they happen. And, you know, I'm happy with the time I had uh, when I was, you know, healthy and was able to compete at 100%. Uh, physically, uh, I did great. Yeah, yeah, I did very good. Let's move into the fourth set. This is the 10 ball scramble. We don't do a deep dive. I just say it and you say what comes in your mind. You ready? Sure. Your favorite racket? Wilson. Which one? Actually, it's Head, Prestige Tour, and Wilson. Oh, Wilson as well. I like the uh, blade. The Redhead Prestige was your racket? When I was younger, yes. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't think a lot of women play with that racket. I mean, most of like a lot I of know, men did. Yeah. No, but I loved it. I remember play. I was 17, 18, playing with that, and great. Yeah, great racket. Current racket? It's Wilson, uh, Blade. You play with the Blade. Uh, what size yeah, is your... But, sorry? Uh, old, 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 uh, not the, the new model. It's like an old model. I don't think they make it anymore, but I'm so used to it. I really like it. It's like What blue. color is it? Blue. It's uh, bluish, mixed so yellow and blue. Yellow and blue. Um, yeah. What size grip? Uh, uh, three, 3.8, I think. Four and three-eighths. I'm not sure. No? Sorry? Four and three-eighths? <laughs> I think, yes. I'm not 100% sure. I don't pay too much attention to these That's things. That's incredible. <laughs> How do you string your racket? Now, uh, before shoulder injury, 20, uh, 30, 29 tight really tight like super tight and but since my shoulder injury i had to uh go down to like 26 to 25 yeah what's what kind of string uh used to be loxalone uh now i am with uh artemic it's a new uh, string company a friend of mine uh, um owns it so it's it's very nice it's a good artemic. string. So, yeah where do you keep your trophies? 
Oh, good question. Um, I think my mom keeps it somewhere in uh, her apartment. I'm not sure. I'm not you, very attached to them. Did you save your credentials? No. Mm -mm. No credentials? No. Where, what, what would you do with them? Just throw them out? Yeah. Just throw them out? <laughs> your greatest win? Greatest win. Mm, tough. Hard to say, but I would say uh, maybe uh, against Capriati. Where'd the you one beat her? I was most proud of. Where'd you beat her? Uh, in Moscow, actually, in uh, Kremlin Cup. Uh, I think quarterfinals. Yeah, it was a big, big match. Score? Hmm. I don't remember. I think two sets. Your worst loss? Uh, if I have it, I don't remember. I think my memory just um, erases <laughs> all the all the negative, too many too many things, you know. So it just blacks out some of those things. She blocks them out. Know. Yeah. Your favorite tournament? Um, U.S. Open, um, Australian Open. All four of the Grand Slams are just incredible. Your favorite city? Um, I'm not sure. Love uh, Sydney, Melbourne, uh, Barcelona, uh, Paris. Um, I love New York, Miami, many, honestly. Moscow. Favorite court? Could be any court in the world. U.S. Open Center Court. Arthur Ashe Stadium. Correct. Big entourage or lean and mean? Do you are you are you supportive of um, the, the the players that take around a big entourage, or do you think it should be just a just be lean? Lean. Very How many lean. did you travel with? For me, the optimal was my tennis coach, my fitness coach, and my mom. That's all I needed to feel great, to feel extremely supported. Um, sometimes my sister, when she had time to come join, uh, was very grateful to her, to her for, for that. But I don't, the more people, the, the more I felt um, uncomfortable on the court. I didn't, I didn't like it. Let's move into the fifth and final set. This is the queen of the court. If you could be the queen of tennis and make a change in the sport with just a swing of the racket, what would it be? In the rules? Could be anything. Hmm. Nothing, to be honest. I never thought about it. Be I think because I love tennis the way it is. And I think that all the changes, and especially the, the new things that are happening now, um, different rule changes that, that are in, I know how hard, it, how hard they are on players normally to get used to. Um, so I wouldn't change anything. I would leave it uh, the old-fashioned classic way. You like it just the, just leave it the way it is. Don't make any big changes. Exactly. I love it the way it is. Now, will you be you'll be watching the Australian Open? Will you do you watch a lot of it or? Absolutely. You, I would yeah. watch all of it as much as I can. Is there any player that you really like to watch more than anyone else? Um. On the women's side, we could start. On the women's side, um. I like the young girls, Anisimova. I, I actually practiced with her back in Florida a couple of years ago in, in 2019. Um, so I know her, she's a very nice, super talented player. Um, 
Osaka is entertaining. Serena, always interesting to see how she's doing. Um, but there are so many superstars nowadays. It's they're all they're all fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the women's it's wide open. I wonder if Bianca Andrescu is gonna make yeah. a run. Yeah, hopefully she will. Uh, she's all recovered from her injuries, and um, we'll see. But she's feisty, you know. She just finds the way to fight through, and uh, yeah, we'll see. Does anybody beat, does anybody beat Novak Djokovic these next two weeks? Um, maybe. Why not? I mean, anything can happen. I feel like now with these quarantines and uh, you know traveling restrictions and all the other restrictions. You never know how you know they end up feeling. Uh, if they feel that if they're gonna feel their best or not, but of course uh, he's superhuman. Like he's unhuman, Novak Djokovic. He's uh, amazing. <laughs> the, the way he's been, you know, performing for the last few years. But um, it's fun to see some Russian guys. Medvedev. I love watching Medvedev. Uh, it's very entertaining. Rublev. Um, and yeah. So we'll see. I hope Nadal does well. I'm a big fan of Nadal. And uh, uh, yeah, ex looking forward to, to that Australian Open, definitely. Listen, I had a really good time talking with you. I just something, I had a feeling you were going to have an interesting story, and you certainly did. Um, I hope you're very proud of your career. I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to chat with me. For sure. Thank you for having me. And uh, best of luck with your show. I will uh, keep an eye on you. <laughs> Lena Bovina, you are released. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Huge thank you to Elena Bovina. And thank you to Sergio Tacchini. See them at SergioTacchini.com and use my code CRAIG30 in all caps at checkout to receive 30% off of your order. Once again, a red tape complete is the official towel of the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. They are A-R-E-T-E-C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E.com. The towels are a tremendous gift for your tennis team. Use my code SHAP20 in all caps to receive a 20% discount. If you have not done it yet, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. And share the show with your friends. Max Loeb edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released.